Yes, another test summer is upon us. Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast, brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia. And we're looking ahead on this episode to the NRMA Insurance Test Series between Australia and Pakistan, which begins in Perth on Thursday. My name is Josh Shonafinger, joined by Louis Cameron, who's actually over there in Perth. He's not at Optus Stadium, where the first test is going to be held, but he's actually at the Wacker Ground, the home of Western Australian cricket. Louis, how are things over there in Perth? Yeah, thanks, Josh. Yeah, I am at the Wacker. It's kind of a funny setup that they do here. They did this last year where they have a few training days at the Wacker and, um, you know, kind of get used to the, the heat and the conditions, I suppose, of the ground just over the Swan River from Perth Stadium where the game will start on Thursday. So I think they get two days training at, um, at Perth Stadium. So they're there Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the game starts Thursday. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, hopefully a really good series. I mean, we kind of wonder now every time it's not a team that's England or India, you know, how big is the series going to be? How competitive is the opposition going to be? Um, but, you know, Pakistan have got the potential to hopefully at least be competitive because, um, you know, Australia have tended to wipe the floor with um, with a lot of opponents at home you know, <laughs> over the last decade or two. Well, just a little bit earlier, you spoke to Mitch Marsh, who is almost certainly going to be in Australia's Test 11 for the first match in Perth. And it's, of course, his home ground that he's going to be playing in front of. What did you guys cover? And he must be super excited to get back in front of his local fans. Yeah, he is. I mean, I mean, this was the venue, the Wacker, of course, where he made his first Test century, 181, um, in front of his home crowd back in 2017-18. That was the last time he's played a Test in Perth, if you can believe that. Um, now obviously they play over at the Perth Stadium but I think he's really looking forward to getting out there for the first time we spent a lot of the uh, first bit of the podcast of course talking about how he celebrated the World Cup win I mean it was such a funny one (laughs) with you know everyone leaving so quickly but um, and you know a T20 series for some of them afterwards but he said he had a good few days kind of relaxing on his boat um, and you know first of all also um, having some time with the team over in Ahmedabad so I won't give too many spoilers but um, as always he was he was particularly good value (laughs) <laughs> we do love Bison on the podcast, of course. And it's going to be David Warner's last test series as well. He's flagged that a long time ago, actually, that these three tests will finish him up in the red ball format. Um, but there has been a little bit of chatter around his spot in the side. We are expecting him to play, aren't we? Yeah, well, he'll definitely play at least the first test. I mean, that much has kind of been guaranteed. I, I think, you know, the whole Mitch Johnson kind of column controversy and him kind of accusing him of... Uh, you know, setting his own end date and not earning that and all that kind of thing. Well, I think it's, you know, a bit of a, that's a bit of a misnomer. Like, I don't think Dave ever said, you know, you have to pick me until the Sydney test. I mean, he, he said he, that's when he wants to finish up playing test cricket. And I think he's probably earned the right to, to have that. You know, it's not, um, this isn't just a guy who started playing well, cricket the I've other day. You. This is one of the greats of the modern era. So he has at least earned the right to suggest, you know, say, hopefully I'd like to play my final test here. Uh, and the selectors have said, you know, as long as he keeps scoring runs, um, we'll keep picking him. But, um, you know, I think he's under no illusions that his test returns over the last two years haven't been um, spectacular. They haven't been terrible either. Um, there were some really important innings in the Ashes uh, over in England. Uh, there were some really important innings uh, during the last test summer. He made that amazing 200, of course. Um, they are increasingly becoming the exception. And I think that's where, you know, there's some speculation, you know, quite rightly around his spot in the side. But look, I'd be surprised if he didn't see out the summer. I think, um, you know, it, the, it's kind of set up for him, right, to, to go out and high, to go out in front of his, his home crowd. Um, and I still think he's the best option. Like I, 
I honestly do the you know the selectors have, have said that there's no real standout candidate coming through in the Sheffield Shield um, and you know it's, it's hard to argue with that like Bancroft Harris Renshaw I know we're going to talk a little bit about those three who all played in the Prime Minister's 11 game but those guys have all played between 10 and 14 tests and they all average between 25 and 30 um, you know you're probably going to need to do more to unseat a really good player like David Warner um, and, and a guy who um, and it's not everything, but he has shown incredible form in white ball cricket. I mean, he's one of um, Australia's best players at the ODI World Cup. I know that's not test cricket, but that doesn't count for nothing. So um, I expect we'll see a fair bit of David Warner this summer, um, but it'll be an interesting couple of weeks. And we know he's got a great record against Pakistan in Australia as well. Mm. So he'll definitely be looking to continue that. Nathan Lyon, of course, will also make his return from a calf injury, serious calf injury sustained in the Ashes. He's played three Sheffield Shield matches and hasn't really taken a wicket, but they've all been low-scoring, pace-friendly matches, haven't they? So um, I'm sure he'll be looking to get some overs under the belt in the first test. And, and just his ability to rise to the occasion as well. Like, he's just played so much cricket now. We've seen him for um, do it for so long, and we, we know what his test record is. I think he'd probably be going through those Shield games, not through the motions, but there's definitely a, a level of intensity that he hasn't been – he wasn't exposed to at that level and that he probably needs to really get up for a contest like he's I think he's 36 now um he's played a lot of cricket um you know that extra intensity that you get and the extra kind of willpower you get from a crowd behind you and um you know pulling on the baggy green that shouldn't be underestimated and yeah I mean it'll be an interesting phase of his career now like playing it's got to be difficult mentally so he's played mm. 100 consecutive tests um, and worked on his body, you know, probably didn't get enough credit for how fit he was during that period and, and how durable he was during that period. And now he's had this really serious calf injury. Like, is he going to um, be thinking twice about, you know, setting off for a, um, you know, stop a ball in the field or um, at the top of his mark, you know, after he's bowled 25 overs in a day? Um, those things can play on your mind. So that's, you know, something new for him. Um, so, but you know, we we know what a good player he is, and he's only four wickets away from 500 as well in Test cricket. So, I'm sure there'll be some incredible celebrations when and if he finally gets to that milestone. We kind of got the chance to pick his brain just now at the um, at the Test series launch. A few of the guys uh, did press conferences, and yeah, there was a little bit about that. And you know, we know that um, he felt like he jinxed himself a little bit going into that <laughs> um, that one at uh, what was the Test, the Lord's Test, of course, where he was closing in on 500 and it was 100 consecutive test and um, you know he's, he can be a bit superstitious like that but um, he, he spoke quite well about um, kind of the rivalry with Ravi uh, Ravi Chandra and Ashwin and kind of going head to head with him he'll probably get to 500 wickets in um, not sure what India's test schedule is over the next few months but you know whenever they play he, he should get there pretty soon um, and you know of course someone you know an unnamed journalist had to ask uh, whether he reckons he can get the other 212 wickets to um, displace the great Shane Ward. I don't know who would have asked such a silly question, but um, he, you know, didn't give a definitive answer uh, either way on oh, that. Okay. But he, um, you know, he, he did say that he wants to get to a tour of India again, a tour of England again, and we know that they're going to be four years away. So I think if he plays another four years of Test cricket, he'd be he'd be knocking on the door of the um, of the great Shane Warne in terms of 708 Test wickets. Wow. Okay, so you heard it here first, uh, Nathan Lyon. <laughs> that, that was me who asked the question, just in case there was any doubt about that whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as Pakistan are concerned, uh, well, we don't really know what we're going to expect from them. They've got a new captain. He got 200, Shan Masood, in the PM's 11 match. 
Um, and they've still got a lot of quality players there, such as Barbara Azam in the middle order and Mohamed Rizwan behind the stumps. But what do we expect from them this summer? There's a lot of faces and names that are going to be very new to Australian fans. I, I don't think runs will be their issue, Josh. I think they'll. I think they should make runs. I think the, a lot of guys who have played a bit of Test cricket in Australia now. Um, Barbara Azam, we know he's one of the best players in the world and, gee, he's just great to watch, isn't he? Like that's probably one of the biggest things I'm looking forward to this summer is just sitting down and appreciating one of the best we'll ever see um, stylistically more than anything. Um, and Rizwan is a fantastic player. We saw in that series in 2022 how good he could be with the bat. Uh, Imam Al-Haq, um, Abdullah Shafiq was another guy who kind of announced himself in that series against Australia a year ago. So no shortage of batting talent. The, the bowling is probably the worry. So we know that Abra Ahmed, the, the leg spinner, who's had a really promising start to his test career, he's probably not going to play in this first test because he hurt himself during that PM's 11 game. Uh, Shane Afridi is probably, you know, the linchpin and it just seems to be a few things being spoken about his body. Like, is he quite 100% since he came back from that really serious knee injury? Um, I think it was uh, not so long ago. Um, and it just maybe hasn't quite been the same bowler before. So can he kind of, you know, give them 30, 40 overs a test at 140? Um, because if he can, like that, you know, that's something to be reckoned with. Like they could... Um, you know, they could really, you know, scare Australia if they can do that. But kind of look around the rest of the attack and it looks a bit samey, samey to me. And, um, you know, I know it was a slow pitch, but none of them really caught my eye during that PM's 11 match. Um, but, you know, we'll have to just wait and see. I'm actually just watching um, Hassan Ali just run into bowl. He's bowled a bouncer at um, one of the left-handers. He's actually bowled a bouncer and then it's gone through and the batter hasn't picked the ball up. So he's had to go and pick the ball up past him and then run back. So Hassan Ali's got plenty of energy and um, he's another one who's played a lot of test cricket. So um, I've given you a long-winded answer there. and But I, I think runs will be okay, but wickets are going to be um, the, the struggle for him. Yeah, so no real surprises expected for Australia's 11 when the first test gets underway on Thursday. But we do have a few question marks over Pakistan's team. It will be interesting to see which way they go and maybe what the decision at the toss is as well. But uh, that's all going to be waiting for us on Thursday. So, Louis, why don't we jump into your chat with Mitch Marsh now and we'll chat to you during and after the Perth test. I'm here with Mitch Marsh on the West Test Hill, the NRMA Insurance Hill. Um, well they've with. tried to bring the the whacker to Perth Stadium. Mitch, what do you? First of all, welcome to the podcast. And thank you, mate. Second of all, what do you think of the the efforts here? Oh, it's a huge effort, isn't it? Uh, um, yeah, I think I went out to the middle of the wicket before and looked back, and it yeah it looks fantastic. So um, hopefully, there's uh, 500 West Australians a session that are in here and enjoying it and uh, having fun watching us play. We're going to talk a little bit about this. Well, we're going to talk a lot about this test, but first of all, I mean, the first, the last time you were on this podcast was kind of leading into the World Cup and maybe even during the World Cup. And we're kind of just chatting off air about, you know, like just the unlikeliness of it all. And, um, you know, after two games, like, I'm sure you've been asked this a bit, but did you really think you could win it? Um, yeah, there's no doubt after two games, we were, <laughs> there was panic stations. Um, <laughs> but, there was this weird belief that we could still win it, um, but we're obviously we needed a lot of things to go our way. Um, so um, we always had great belief, and we knew that the two games that we lost were one against two very good teams, but um, I guess not really the brand of cricket that we knew was us. So um, once we sort of got back to that, um, we knew that we could beat most teams or beat every team, and um, yeah, it was an amazing story, amazing to be a part of. 
I want to play by play on the celebrations. Uh, firstly, in the Medabad, yep. and then when you got back to Perth, what were you, um, you know, how do you celebrate something like that? Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> it, was a, it was a great couple of days. Um, <laughs> we yeah, just back at the hotel, basically in the, in the change rooms for a few hours, um, and then back into um, the skipper's room. We had yeah, thirty people plus families and stuff in that room, so it was tight, but. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he, That's he had a want. pretty big room, right? Yeah, Pat, yeah, yes, he does. Um, and it, but to his credit, he gives it up a lot of the time to yeah. um, players with families or wives and stuff like that. He gave me gave me the room in Chennai for the for a week. That was a um, beautiful hotel and a big room, so <laughs> thanks, Patty. Um, and then uh, we, we actually went to a, um, a, uh, a private residence of someone's house for the, for the next day and had a pool there and a big barbecue, and um, it was amazing, so... Yeah, the celebrations were large and pretty much exactly what you'd expect. Yes, I'd <laughs> imagine. Now, Travis Head's going around telling people that you spent yep. five days on a boat yep. once you got back. Yep. And um, there's absolutely no mayo on that story from everything we've been told, is that fair <laughs> to say? Yeah, well, um, I would have spent five days on the boat, but I've got a beautiful wife that I um, need to look after at home. So uh, obviously landed on the Wednesday and then um, had planned to go out in the, on the boat um, with some friends to Rotnest, one of my favorite places in the world. And um, basically carried on the celebrations by myself at Rotnest. <laughs> um, had the medal around my neck for, for the whole day, um, which I, I kind of thought may have been entering flog territory, but um, <laughs> if it wasn't a World Cup, then probably, but uh, Everyone seemed to get around it, and it was amazing. We had people driving past on boats, yelling out, and um, yeah, it was uh, certainly felt the love. So you're just wandering around Rottnest Island, hanging out on your boat with your World Cup. Surely, yeah, surely you brought other people along for the for the ride. I had yeah yeah, yeah I had a couple yeah. of mates yep. um, from back home, um, <laughs> but uh, you had the medal on. <laughs> I was swimming with it on, um, all sorts. Right, it was great. Is it in decent shape now? Uh, it's. Yeah, there's a bit of Pete Murray about it, seen better days. Um, but uh, it's all part of the story. I like that. Oh, and I'm sure in there, you know, once you kind of got over that, there has been some physical preparation. You know, you're a key member of this test team now as well. Yeah. Uh, you've got to turn your attention to um, getting through, you know, seven tests in maybe two, three months, something yeah. like that. it's a big um, summer. Yeah. How's, how's all that all gone once you, you know, finally turned your attention back to actually playing cricket? Yeah, I had a couple of texts from Ronnie saying... Uh, <laughs> Have you stopped yet? Uh, that was on Thursday, and I said, "Just give me one, one more day, coach." Um, and then it was really just about being home with my family and my wife, Greta, friends. It's been a big year of travel, so um, yeah, had a few days to relax, and then um, really just use this period to um, to train uh, a bit of a training block, which is pretty rare for us to get. Um, so yeah, I feel like I've come into this test now in in really good shape after what's been a massive few months, and. Mm. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Because that, I imagine, would be difficult, right? Like the you weren't bowling all that much at the World Cup in yep. one-day cricket and now, you know, like you might be need to bowl 10, 15, uh, dare I say it, 20 overs a day. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you're, you're ready for that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the body feels really good. My ankle feels the best it's felt in mm. probably two years and that's due to being looked after um, by our staff and, and Paddy and probably the, the beauty of us having so many all-rounders in the squad is that um, we all share the load. So that's been... Um, pivotal for me and um, yeah there's no doubt I'm looking forward to bowling out there it's a great wicket um, it can be really flat and hard and fast but it also keeps you in the game as a bowler so um, and I need all the help I can get so um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that challenge don't undersell your bowling too much <laughs> um, 
it's funny to think that you last played a test in your hometown six years ago, 2017 yeah. Ashes. Yeah. yeah. Can you yeah. kind of believe, you know, how far you've come? Or? Yeah, it's, um, it's gone quick, that six years, really. Um, and even the four years out of the test team before I played at Headingley was, whoa. <laughs> That's Someone's just thrown a water bottle at you. Yeah. For nice. those listening on an audio medium. I think it was Alex Carey. They must have seen me. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely Gaza. They yep. must have seen me with my medal around my neck. Um, where were we? Yeah. Lost our six, six years ago, you're getting a bit of commentary from the sidelines, but yeah. we'll push on. Yeah, so six years ago over at the Wacker, um, 181, I think it was from memory. Like it's, it seems like such a long time ago. Just, you know, what are your memories of, of that innings? Yeah, that was, um, yeah, one of the better days of my career, having that big partnership with uh, Smudger and to score my first Test 100 at home was, um, yeah, very special. So it certainly seems like a long time ago. And to get an opportunity to play a Test here, um, that's going to be really exciting. Um, but yeah, it's been a, a fair journey over the next last six years to, yeah. And now be playing in Australia, which will be fun. How's it different? Um, you know, to someone who you know, casual fans of cricket, what's different about the wacker compared to here? Um, obviously, the wacker's a lot smaller, and um, for now, probably has a lot more history. Uh, well, it does. Mm. Um, mm. There's been so many great games, so many great moments in Australian cricket at that ground, um, and also for me personally, playing for Western Australia, there, I've literally been at that ground for my whole life. Um, so it's always been really special to me and my family. Um, and then obviously you come here to a, a brand new st stadium, which is one of the best in the world um, and a, an amazing place to play. So um, hopefully I can sort of be a part of the, the history here now and um, make this ground really feel like home with the Red Bull. I know how big family is for you and, um, you know, and Sean as well. Like, yeah. um, and we all know about the, you know, the family legacy with, with your dad as well. Um, you know, what's it, how, how do you kind of go about playing a home test? Because I imagine you got all these ticket requests, you've got all these, you know, family members, like how do you kind of, when, when you're out there, you know they're all there and they're yep. all watching. Like yep. how do you, is it difficult? Uh, no. Right. I, I've, one of my things is when my family's at the ground, I have to know where they're sitting. Oh. Um, more so to make me feel good to know where my family is and stuff. And if I get, I guess, gets tense out in the middle, I always just look back at the family, oh. which is um, which is always nice. So, yeah, I have about... 25 here on day one and <laughs> um, and a few are in the stands as well so um, yeah I'm absolutely pumped for that I'm sure they want to see you make a big score as well because we know they're in Bali for the the one that you made in Headingley right yep yes yeah. the yep dad and well everyone was in Bali for Sean's 40th that day so um, yeah that was uh, <laughs> that was great I actually want to go back to that pub and have a beer at some point <laughs> maybe we should do a podcast there that'd be good just re relive it that'd be really good just yeah. have 15 beers yep and just try and recreate that moment. We might have to like really carefully edit that if we do it after 15 beers. Like yeah. I'm, you know, just to protect you. I'm not an advocate yeah. for people having 15 beers, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, drink responsibly, everyone. Have you kind of spoken to them about like, because I remember asking you in the press conference at the time, like, you know, have you seen the video and, and all that? But like, have you asked them since what it was like to kind of be in there to, to watch you, you know, bring up that, that score? Yeah, it was, um, they'd obviously had a, a really good day. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the, the whole crowd in the in the bar basically um, was watching the game and, and getting around Sean and Dad once they sort of recognised them. And there's obviously a lot of people from Perth that go to Bali. So, um, yeah, they sort of say that it's one of the best moments that they've ever experienced. And my dad really shows emotion. So to see him hugging people and being up and about was um, really special for me. That's brilliant. Um, just the, the amount of work you've had to kind of put into, you know, the, the ankle surgery and, you know, you've had other physical things you've had to overcome. You've gotten this test spot, you know, maybe in the 
um, don't want to put words in your, in your mouth, but um, in the peak of your career, like, you know, you're as confident as ever. Like, um, how much of you is there to just, like, cling on to this, this spot in the test team for as long as you can? Yeah, I mean, I've really tried to almost not have that mentality. Mm. Um, there's no doubt that I've worked really hard to get back into this, but um, I guess I'm, it's probably a couple of paths to it. I'm really grateful for that opportunity. Um, I'm really proud that I sort of never gave up because mm. um, it would be pretty easy to just play white ball. I mean, not easy, but in terms of making that decision, play white ball and play lots of T20 around the world. But there's always been part of me that um, has loved wearing my baggy green and... Um, Test cricket's so hard and it certainly provided me with the most challenges throughout my career as a player and as a batsman especially. So um, I feel now now I'm as well equipped as I, well, I am as well as equipped as I ever have been throughout my career with my cricket, outside of cricket, with my life. Um, and I'm just looking forward to the opportunity. And I mean, we speak about it a lot, but um, the way Paddy leads this group and um, I think you've seen with me and Hedy, we've, certainly um, thrived in this environment where we've completely just been ourselves and enjoying cricket for what it is which is a game um, understanding that it's our job and um, the responsibility we have to play for Australia and uh, represent our country but um, no matter what level it is it should be fun and um, yeah it's been a, a fun couple of years. And all those things you're talking about there that's a really great summation of you know why you've been so successful over the last little bit and why the team's been so successful but are there things there that you didn't do when you were younger that you know you maybe put too much pressure on yourself or or didn't see the fun and um, you know almost wish that you'd kind of known things now that you um, back then? Yeah, there's no doubt you'd probably go back and change a couple of things, but mm. it's also part of my story now. Mm. Um, going through the ups and downs of career, which happens to everyone, but um, I kind of wouldn't change it for the world now to be in the place that I'm in and um, yeah, to, I guess to have got back and um, enjoying playing cricket I, I certainly didn't deal well with failure which I've spoken mm. about um, as a young kid and um, that at times was crippling and so I guess done a lot of work behind the scenes on the mental side of the game to be able to deal with failure and um, probably more so in test cricket high pressure situations where there's a lot of perceived pressure on you um, yeah to be able to start dealing with that better has certainly helped me be more consistent at least. And then, so from a team point of view, so you guys have achieved a lot, you know, like back-to-back -back draws in, in the Ashes and, mm -hmm. you know, the, I know you would have wanted to win one of those, but yep. there's, um, must be a sense of pride in, in that, uh, you know, perform well on this India tour without getting the chocolates, but the World Test Championship series result um, and obviously the stuff in the other formats. But for the Test team, Mitch, like, is there something, um, is there something that you, more that you can achieve? Like, what, what have you kind of set your, your sights on, I guess, is the next um, big thing? Well, for me personally, Dad played 50 tests, so I really want to get him. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are you up to? 37. Right. So I need to peel off a few hundreds to get to 40. <laughs> um, and then we'll see. I think as a test team, um, every series is really important for us. And um, Paddy's really big on that. Um, you know, respecting the fact that there are series like the Ashes or playing against India, which are heightened. And there's a lot of expectation around those. But... Every series we play um, is really important for us to win. And um, I mean, for me, the feeling of beating England or any other team, the same, it's the same feeling in the change room, singing the song, having a beer with your mates, and that's why you play. So um, yeah, there's still lots for this team to achieve. Um, we're in another two year cycle for the World Test Championship. So every test is vitally important. And um, yeah, hopefully I'm still around by the time we 
get there again. <laughs> I've got one final one for you. You mentioned wanting to go past your old man 13 or 14 tests away from doing that. He opened the batting for a long time. There's been so yep. much talk about when Davey hangs up the boots, who might open. <laughs> you know, you've been floated as, as someone who might do it. Well, Seven records straight. Can you do it in test cricket? <laughs> uh, if Ronnie's okay for me to try and get 150 before lunch on day one, <laughs> I'll put my hand up. There Stop. you go. <laughs> Is there some, you know, having done it in one day T20 cricket, does that help at all? Uh, yeah, look, honestly, there's obviously been a little bit of chat about it and, uh, and um, that's all well and good. But I, I've just got back into the team. Um, I'm thoroughly enjoying my role at number six and um, that's really all I'll focus on. And I don't really like being... I'm happy for people to talk about it, but mm -hmm. I don't like being a part of the conversation because ultimately... My job is to bat at number six next week and that's all I'm looking forward to. It's completely fair. Let me let me ask you then, would your old man have some tips for you if you did? I wouldn't take any because he's stru <laughs> struck at 30. So, uh, no, he, he would. Yeah. It'd be pretty cool. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Very good. Mitch, um, a pleasure as always. Thanks for joining the Unplayable Podcast. Thanks, mate. All good.